You may have played poker, but playing poker in Texas is a different animal. This is the Texas Poker Podcast with Tyler and Clint. Hello, this is the Texas Poker Podcast. I'm Tyler. This is Clint. What's up, y'all? And we are back. We are back. So, if everybody remembers, remembers at the end of last our last podcast, we are tr- covering the Vegas trip that I just went on, which kind of was an unmitigated disaster. Not really for poker reasons, but just for health reasons in general. Yeah, well, I guess spoiler alert, but you got horridly sick at the end of it and didn't get to play much poker. Worst vacation ever. Yeah. So, I do have a couple more sessions uh, before everything hit. Uh, but we are going to take a break from that to focus on this week, just because Tyler had a pretty good, uh, well, a semi-interesting session. I just finished a tournament, which my notes were kind of hazy on, and I know I won't remember after this week. So, and there were actually some interesting hands, and I don't do that many tournaments, so it should be kind of interesting. It's funny, you're like, my notes are kind of hazy, I won't remember it for the end of this week. Actually, I won't even remember it tomorrow. I mean, you are <laughs> not kidding yourself. <laughs> so. uh, and then I had one really, uh, one interesting big hand at the end, well, that's, we'll cover at the end of the podcast. So, that's kind of like how we're going to do the podcast, and we'll c- go back to Vegas next week. Uh, but we kind of have one conversational topic of... I guess kind of a life change I'm going through that basically involves poker. I mean, it's somewhat, right? No, I mean, has a huge impact on poker. So, I end up getting a second job. Like, I think most people who listen to the podcast regularly, both me and Tyler work in the health healthcare field. Uh, I do two 18s. I work Saturday and Sunday. And that leaves five days off to do a lot of poker and just random BS, uh, but I got a second job, which kind of, it's going to affect some of the poker that I play, and also it's kind of a mentality thing, because poker's kind of been my second job for quite a while, and I've been profitable enough to make it work, but there is kind of a trade-off of... I make a decent amount playing poker, but not as much as I do in my career doing radiology. But here's also one other thing that um, you always have to kind of weigh whenever you talk about, you know, poker being a job and trading it in for a side job is if you're not taking that money out of the bankroll, it kind of doesn't really make that great of a second job if you're getting no extra money in your checking account. Right, because it's kind of that fine line between poker being a job, but you have to build a bankroll. You definitely can't just take all the winnings and just keep feeding losses and putting winnings in your bankroll either. So even if you're being super profitable this year or last month, but how much did you take out of your bankroll and put into your checking account if this has been your second job? That's kind of like, you, like it's very hard to find that sweet spot. Because, okay, so you don't want to take out too much from your bankroll because you I mean your goal is to move up in stakes and to kind of continually climb and do all that but as Tyler said if none if it's just going to the bankroll and none is like going from to you like your personal accounts it's kind of a I mean you're 
like you say, it doesn't really work as a second job. It just works as, hey, building up, you know, your poker bankroll or whatever. But here's also kind of the counter to that, right, is, you know, I built my bankroll up till I was able to buy in a lot deeper, play a lot bigger games, but then went on a horrid downswing. And if I was taking money out of that, I'd already have gone bust because I use, instead of making it my second job, my goal was to move up in stakes, play higher stakes, and really try to progress that way, right? So it was a big focus of mine not to take any money out. So um, in correlation, like the poker, how much we buy in for every week and everything, I wouldn't be able to do with my normal job, right? Right. So this is all a separate bank account. So it does get weird sometimes when like, the amount of money in the poker bankroll is, a, I mean, a ton compared to your net worth with your job. But you're also, my goal was to grind it up to play higher stakes. And, you know, I did. I was able to play higher stakes. And I also went on a horrid downswing, which in those high stakes, it it's not that crazy of a downswing, right? When you're buying in for as much as I was. But it is weird when it's like you're, Compared to your financial net worth, you're just taking massive hits too, which kind of weighs on you. So it's kind of trying to find that fine line. But at least for me, not taking the money out when I was moving up made it to where I could weather the storm on the way back down. Well, and that's true. And like, okay, let's say you're taking money out. You don't know, like, you don't know how big the downswing is going to be. You don't know. I mean, there's a lot of problems when you're taking, I mean, because yeah, you're profitable. And I haven't found, like, I've asked a lot of people. I haven't found a really great way to manage it. I mean, you could take it out, like, based on your hour. I mean, I've, I've found a lot of different ways, just nothing that I really loved. Uh, here has been the biggest issue, and this is complete leak of mine. I understand it's a mentality, but it is something that I've had a hard time getting past. Like, when I went on, like, I've had a great year this year. I mean, it, like, at any point in time where I should be turning down a second job, it would be this year because it's been really good. Uh, but last year, from about, no, September maybe, it, I had, like, a three-month where it was the worst downswing I've ever been on. And in it, there were just a lot of times where I was up quite a bit, ended up getting hit hard. I mean, it was just not in the time frame that I was ready to leave or anything like that. But let's say you're making, like I, I think I average around anywhere between 20 to 25 an hour. I think like after, like it's been climbing up, it was around 25. I took that uh, downswing, it went under 20 by a little bit. So let's say it's about 20 to, let's say 22 an hour. Well, I have a big leak on if I get up a certain amount, like let's say two, two to three hundred dollars, and then, or like let's say I get five hundred and I go down like two hundred, go back down to two hundred, like I kind of want to leave and protect those winnings, which is not how you should be thinking about poker. If it's a profitable table, it's a profitable table in the long run. But it is a mentality that I've kind of struggled with. Here's the problem with it: is sometimes when you struggle with that mentality, it's hard to get the hours in. Period. So if you're making 22, 23 an hour, but shit, you're going to freak out like at three hours and you're only going to average a three hour session. Well, shit, even if you play every single day of the week, which you're probably not, now you're only doing 15 hours a week. Yeah, 
15 hours right, a week. Yeah. So that's kind of been a, a pretty big leak of mine. And I understand it's a mentality. I understand that's not how you should think about it. Like, I understand everything. Everybody's going to, like, listen to this podcast and be like, that's not right. You're 100% right. But just because you're right, it's sometimes hard to fix the mentality that goes behind it. Oh, I mean, the real problem is it just feels so nice to lock up a win and go home. <laughs> I mean, when you're up and you can lock up that win, I mean, you're going to hear about it today. <laughs> well, my session, that's exactly what I did. Oh, yeah. And I, well, I tell you what, when I'm going through downswings, whatever, it's usually helpful to do. But in the long run <coughs> of getting the hours in, it's kind of a, uh, I mean, it's definitely like a leak mentally for me. So... I don't know. I mean, it's... And then here's the other thing is, like, poker versus second job. Like, I've always considered poker a really good second job, but not a great first job. Like, uh, the the vast majority of people I know who use poker as a full-time income, I would not want to be in their shoes. Like, I mean, between the swings and everything. And here's the thing is people are like, well, if you... I could uh, make, tw- like, let's say 30 35 an hour. That's not that great of an income. It's a decent income if you have a job. But if you have a job, you have PTO. You have health insurance. You have all, you, have, you know exactly how much is going to be in the bank account. You usually have a way where that's going to increase over time. You have a 401k. Uh, poker doesn't have any of that. I mean, if you might be making thirty-five an hour, but guess what? One hospital bill, and you're kind of dicked. Yeah, hundred percent. So it's a. So I've always considered a really good second job, but the, but I don't know. Guaranteed income. We'll we'll kind of see how this works. But kind of like what you were saying is taking the second job. You know, because when you moved over to this side of town, you kind of want to take a shot at making poker your second job. Right, because for me, I've been able to play it for a long time consistently. You just recently, no, not recently, but maybe a year ago, been able to play very consistently. You said it kind of feels like giving up on poker. Uh, it does a little bit. I mean, it well, shit, it, it is to a degree, right? I mean, you said it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's... yeah it's. Uh, I mean, like, and don't get me wrong, like I'm still profitable, and it's been, like, say, a really good year. It's a. Uh, well, and here's the other thing: is it's an opportunity of something I've been wanting to try. So it's a, there's a, this second job is kind of a different. Like I wouldn't do it for just any job, but this one is something I've been wanting to try for a moment. Uh, but I will say it's it kind of feels that way to a degree. I wanted to tr- I've wanted to try poker as a second job for a while. Last year was kind of disaster. I mean, I was profitable for the year, but. I think I averaged like, what, like $8 an hour like last year. It was a horrible year for me. I've never averaged anywhere even – I've only averaged double that every year, even if I haven't been able to get the hours in that I normally do. Uh, this year has been much, much better, but there's a certain point where you got to do what's best for you financially. Well, the other problem is, is it's always one of those things where you have to weigh you know, how much you're going to make at the second job compared to how much you would make like it would be super easy to make you know even if you're only making ten dollars an hour or if you were making or not ten but you know like 20 if you were making minimum wage at a different job but you didn't have the ability to have a second job to make more than you're making in a poker bankroll or playing poker 
Oh, without a doubt. Right, it's always what the upside that you're giving up. Because if you're in a spot in your career where you can make more money, because in the, the day it's pretty easy to figure out. We both track. You see your hourly. So if you can have a second job, that's, I mean, quite a bit more than what you're making in poker, right? Oh yeah, just like I mean, like you say, if you have the ability, because like you say if you don't have the ability to have a second job, and your second job is going to be working at McDonald's at ten dollars an hour, then all of a sudden. You're definitely going to be, I mean, poker's definitely the second job, right? Well, here's the other thing. is If you were playing, you know, 5, 10, 20, making $60 an hour or whatever, or whatever, 40, random number, 5, 10, 20 or whatever, way higher stakes, and it would be laughable compared to what you'd make at this job, then it wouldn't make sense for you to take this second job, right? It's all kind of depends on how much you're making and the upside that you're giving. So your poker would have to be... You have to make so much more in poker to where it wouldn't make sense to make that second job. That, right? Which I mean, here's the problem with poker is you kind of well. Here's the one great thing I think of a second job is you okay? Everybody report your income on tax, your your poker winnings on taxes. Don't do anything illegal. But the vast majority are not going to report every single dollar or whatever. Well, if I mean, I tell you what, the, the job I'm going to have. Every single dollar is getting reported. So there is that. Uh, and here's the other thing with poker. It's kind of hard to know what the upside is, right? I mean, even if I'm climbing now, and I have been in climbing. I mean, my buy-ins are getting bigger. Uh, the games I'm playing are bigger than what they were. But you really don't know what the actual upside is, do you? I mean, it's like it could be... I mean, shit, you could be playing, you could go Mariano and play 50 or 100, but for the mass, vast majority of people, they're most likely, like, even the really, really good players are going to be just kind of grinding 1-3, and that's kind of what they're going to be doing, right? Um, I think Jonathan Little's take on this was um, <laughs> your upside is kind of, I mean, obviously it's different for everyone, kind of based on your IQ uh, is kind of how he put it. Um, so I guess you don't really know your upside, but I think it's just different with everybody. You know, I mean, if we all knew our upside, make this super easy to figure out. Yeah. That's the thing. That's what I was saying. It's like the upside is very hard I mean, to I, judge. I feel like I could definitely see you playing higher than one, three, but. Oh, I think I could beat like two. Uh, yeah. I definitely think. So, I could. well, here's the thing is I definitely know one I've, from the years tracked. I know one, three, I'm beating at a pretty good rate. Which means I could probably go and be profitable at a higher. Really, in Texas, it's not even really a higher game. It's more just buying in for more, right? That's kind of your next yeah, step. Yeah, which is so weird. But yeah, <laughs> it is so weird. There's no medium game. But yeah, I don't know. I think it's just it's just such a weird feeling um, replacing poker with that second job. But it'll feel nice to be able to pay the bills. Well, and I still have. I still have. There's still going to be a lot of days off. There's still going to be like uh, days I uh, play poker, and I'm still I'm still going to play poker and grind it at least once or twice a week. So, well, here's something else. Here's kind of where it probably becomes more important not to have that mental leak of leaving two hours in when you're up fifty bucks. Right. You. I mean, wait, wait. Here's where what, what here's, was the question? Or whenever like you now can't play five days a week, mm-hmm. the days you play, being able to stick it out and grind like a five hour session compared to a two being able to mentally overcome being up and not leaving and still grinding playing your a game kind of becomes more important now oh a hundred percent so i mean you couldn't be more right on that it's uh 
So I don't know. We'll uh, I kind of see. I mean, <laughs> we've already talked about this. This already been a rocky start to this play. So I mean, two to three. I could it could be two or three weeks, and I'm like, well, back to poker uh, <laughs> as being my main source of a side income. Uh, but. I would still love to know what people do to kind of balance taking money out of that poker bankroll. You know, I've asked through a ton of Discord forums or whatever, and I I get it. Like, I thought I would get one, like, way that pros do it, kind of like it's a standard way. I really have gotten just so many different answers. Well, because whenever Jonathan Litt always talks about this, is he always would say, like, just make your cost of living as low as possible, grind up a big bankroll, and then move up in stakes to where you're playing at such a big, such high stakes that the money coming out of the bankroll is so minimal, it doesn't matter. But, I mean, that's great if you're a phenomenal poker pro like Jonathan Little. But for people like me and you who are playing 1-3, yeah. it's not, I mean... Well, I kind of need different like advice. Mark Hanses and Crush Live is kind of the same thing, but his is a little bit different because he's come from California, where like low stakes are literally unbeatable because of that drop, basically. So it's just move up stakes on in that route. Route in the and like I say, the more you move up in stakes, also you plant paying less rake as well. So I don't know. It's very. Uh, I've. I think it's kind of subjective for everybody. It's, I mean, it's definitely. Here's the one thing I do think I've picked up through everyone talking about, though. The easiest way is to move up in stakes and just have a giant bankroll and just take it right out of there and not care. But, oh, yeah. I mean, I'll tell you what. My rent compared to my bankroll would be a disaster <laughs> quick. Well, and I mean, there's got to be some balance, right? I mean, when you were, like, in that like, was it not last year, but the year before? I mean, you were climbing where your bankroll was getting kind of stupid compared to your bank account, right? I mean, there's got to be some middle ground. I just don't know what that middle ground was. What's, like, how you're, how you manage it, how you're supposed to be. And here's the other thing is, had you not, had you taken more out, you'd probably be broke by now because it was, I mean, that downswing was pretty costly. Oh, 100%. I mean, downswing is still currently going. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was. Uh, so I like to say it's kind of a, it, it's kind of managing. I mean, like I say, kind of managing a life balance for the most part. So like I say, uh, but I mean, definitely uh, looking to. Like I say, I'm definitely be playing, still playing poker, and still grinding up a a bankroll and all that. So I mean. Nothing's changed there, just the amount of time doing it versus... And you still might be able to get the hours in. We don't know your schedule or anything, but it is, like you said, just weird getting that second job. Well, it definitely feels like a kind of a defeat, kind of a little bit, but I don't know. Like when something when something pops up that you might like, you definitely have to take a chance and try it. So, but that's kind of where we're at. But uh, you actually played last night, right? I did. I have, <laughs> I have one interesting hand with kind of an interesting situation. And then kind of a, uh, I stumbled upon a player type that I haven't seen in a while that I kind of wanted to talk to you about. But let me first give you my first, my big hand. So... 
I have two black jacks in the big blind. I'm playing one, two, right? And I'm about 350 uh, in my stack. Okay. Um, about three limpers, probably like four limpers. The small blind makes it 20. What are you doing here? Uh, I am raising. Okay, I re-raised to 80. I was a... Mm, I would have gone to 60, but 80 is fine. That's, a, that's, that's just fine, too. Um, all the limpers fold, goes back to the small blind. He completes, he calls the 80. He's uh, quite a bit, uh, not quite a bit, he's a little bit shallower than me. Um, let's see, he has about maybe like 200 more behind. Okay. Um, after the 80. So the flop comes two clubs, but it was like nine, five, three, nine high flop. Okay. Kind of the dream flop. Yeah, definitely kind of the dream flop. How much do you bet here? Okay, so you you made it 80, so, and there were four, so we're looking at 160, about 170 in the pot. So I'm going to veer away from my one-third sizing that I use a lot because this is just a situation where this is a really good flop for you, and I want to, and I'm not unhappy with a fold because, I mean, overcards do make this kind of a weird uh, hand to play. I think, but if the person pays the right price, I'm also okay with a call. So I'm probably going to bet 100 here. Oh, boy. I went way less. Because um, he had, like I said, 200, just under 200 in his stack. Okay. Um, I bet 55. Wow. Uh, I did super down bet. I just, this board is so damn good for jacks, and, like, there's a lot of turn cards that just make this super complicated. I would have liked, in a hand where I think I'm almost always good and that it's going to get tougher to play, I definitely think this should be a, which, I mean, my bet's kind of small. It's not like I'm betting, like, you know, like, two-thirds pot or anything. My bet's just barely over half pot. I think I would have liked more protection here. Well, here's my thought in the hand. Um, I think ace is re-rate. Any pocket pair bigger than jacks, four <laughs> bets me. Fair. Uh, that's exactly what I'm going thinking. Um, to call a bigger bet, he would have to have exactly two clubs, you know, to call. Or he's literally just floating with two overs. So three outs twice, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, 100%. Yeah, I agree with all of that. Yeah, and he um and he was pretty short, so I didn't. I mean, so I was like, well, I think he'll at least pay this off because I think he's folding everything else. Um, so I bet. Oh, I mean, you're definitely pricing him to give him a good uh, calling price here. I mean, if there's 180 in the pot, you bet 55. He's now it's now 235 in the pot, and it's 55 for him well, to it's go. It's 160 in the pot, but yeah. Well, you bet. 80? Oh, well, you're kind of my 50. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like, so about one, so about 172 the flop, then you're 55, makes mm-hmm. it 235. So it's 55 to win 235. I mean, I'm, like, if I have two overs, I'm calling here all day. Well, that's exactly what I want. That's yeah. what I'm targeting. Okay. Um, He calls the turns of five of hearts. 
Complete Brick. Um, right. Oh, sorry. Um, two of Hearts. I didn't pair the board. Okay. Um, I jam for the 120 more. He just snap folds, had King Queen. Uh, which is fine. That's a. Yeah. I mean, that's okay. I mean, th- for how you played it, that was a great turn and a great. I love the way you played the turn in the uh, river. I mean, I might be playing a little bit scared by betting too much on that flop, but I don't know. Like, he's gonna have equity. I would definitely want to make him pay for that equity. Here was kind of my thought. I guess there is some table dynamic going on here that I did not mention at the beginning, which will maybe influence how you would uh, play this. Okay. This is someone who's just busted out, rebought, busted out again, and is now rebought again. And I was kind of worried that he didn't want to bust out again. So I kind of was trying to squeak out value here. Cause I think he was trying to, I don't want to say trying to fold, but try not to lose for sure. Oh, I definitely think it's a great way to squeak out value. So that was kind of my thought in the moment. I was thinking like the disaster is him to fold King Queen if I bet. And he just, I was just trying to, because it's a pretty big pawn a 1-2 game. I mean, is it a disaster, though? I mean, if he goes to the river, he's going to win 25% of the time. Oh, 100%. But like I said, I mean, um, I do I do like letting people draw for, I mean, if they're going to win 25% of the time, I do want to make them pay, but I didn't think he was going to pay that much. That was kind of my thought in oh, the moment. 100%, I agree totally. Uh, I agree with literally with everything you say. I mean, my biggest thing was I kind of I didn't mind for this this hand, which is weird because we usually you're on the other end of this. You you're, a lot of times you'll end the, try to bet enough to end the hand right there, and I'm on the other side trying to squeak out value. I just on this one, I kind of well, I normally don't try to end the hand. I try to make them pay a bad enough price to where it's kind of a blunder for them to call. But this one, I was just worried that, like I said, very, I mean, this player in the moment has just rebought a third time. Yeah. Very worried that he's going to be folding what he should be calling with kind of thing. And I've been playing almost no hands uh, in this session. I think he's going to be folding a huge portion of his hands to me. I think that's where we're uh, crush-crossing is what we think a bad price is. Oh, no, 100%. I, I agree with that, too. But I think... A bad price in the eyes of a one-two player who doesn't want to lose any more money. Well, I don't care about what he thinks is a, b- a bad price. I want him to pay a bad price based on the odds given to that. I mean, like, what what he thinks is a bad price, I don't, I, I don't care about. I mean, which I kind of like a smaller, like, now that you mentioned it, probably a smaller bet than maybe mine. Maybe, like, 85 90 But, like I say, it's... But I mean, that being said, I like the I like the jam on the turn, and given the hand on the turn, I mean, what happened on the turn? I mean, you definitely squeaked out value that you probably you wouldn't have gotten if I, if you bet like I did. And I kind of thought he was going to call the river with 120 behind. In such I mean, a, I mean, I kinda, definitely. I mean, I didn't. I definitely don't think so. There with, I think you just. I mean, you're the bet is so tiny there that I mean, he kind of has to call. But once it's 120, and he loses, you know, now it's just going to the river with King High. Uh, Ed Miller goes in on this as the threshold uh, deal where there's certain players, even if it's guaranteed that you can't, that you can't win, if you have a threshold of two pair, like some players just can't fold two pair. 
regardless. Like you can shove in for so a thousand. It's like the opposite of what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, there's <laughs> also a threshold of if you bet four dollars into five hundred dollars, they think that they. I mean, there's all, like a threshold. Like if it's nine high, they're still gonna fold. But I mean, so I mean, king high, I think is just past that threshold there. Yeah, that's probably the best analysis of it. I mean, I don't know. I just I saw like. <laughs> When I saw him looking at his chips, and he just had, like, green chips, and, you know, it's, I mean, he's just looking at, like, a handful of chips. I just thought I was just going to chuck them in and go home kind of thing is what I was hoping for. <laughs> oh, I mean, d- definitely hoping for it at yeah. that point. I mean, that's definitely what I was hoping for, but it's, uh... I don't know. I mean, that was basically, you know, I ended up winning $375 that session. That's a really um, nice win right there. I mean, at a one-two, at one-two Paramount game, is very uh I only good played session. for, like, an hour and ten minutes. So, I mean, great <laughs> hourly. Yeah. But, you know, so that was basically the hand, the big hand for me. That's um, a, well, that's a, I mean, I thought it was, I thought for the most part, well played. So, a uh, nice, uh, nice session for you. Thanks. Uh, but here's the interesting, not, here's some other situations that came up in this session, though. We had one situation where, you know, whenever someone is adding on, right? Okay. They put the cash in front of them or like next to their chips, right? Right. So to you, does that mean that that cash is in play the next hand? I believe so. Well, okay. When I do it, I always tell the uh, dealer like like I'm adding on or, you know, all that. Now, that cash is in play at that point. And wait, wait. So the cash and then he's already called Brush and Brush is coming back with his money. Correct. Okay, yeah. The, so, the money is definitely in play. Okay. So what happened was, this is a PLO hand I folded, but um, it goes like, guy pots it for like 20 or 15. It goes like, call, call. And then someone jams 70. And then it goes back to this guy who has 100 behind, but he says he's all in for the 20 in front of him or 30, whatever he had. But they said that they made him... Say it's actually it's 70. You can't be all in for 30, even though you have chips coming. Yeah. Which I thought was super reasonable because, I mean, super he reasonable. called the brush, got the chips. But, I mean, you want to talk about it. I mean, I was like, this is definitely like a floor situation. But by the time the floor came over, the guy had conceded. But I just, I'd never seen anyone do try to go for that. Because he was like, I'm all in for just this. You know, I'm glad you mentioned it because there's... <laughs> Another angle that was happening at my table, just like that. Or not just like that, but kind of the same. But, I mean, definitely, but to finish this situation, it's definitely, I mean, the chips are definitely in play, and I'm glad they handled it the way they did. Well, I guess, I mean, really it was just the player conceding. I mean, no one really handled it because the floor never really got involved, and the dealer was like, I don't know what you're talking about, but you owe 70 if you want to call. Well, that's the that, dealer handling it. I yeah. mean, because the, the player conceded, not because because the player knew he was wrong. He knew if the floor <laughs> would came that that was going to be the ruling. Yeah, I, mean, I guess. Yeah, you're right. Because I mean, the one I'm about to go into, another player is like, well, he could see. Um, I'm like, well, they know. That if you know you're in the wrong, it's just, you know, Kind of admitting it before it goes into it goes in further. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess that's that's probably the better way to put it. Was, but, go ahead. So this one, and I'm not in this hand. So, I, but it, everybody goes all in, and you know, like in these Texas rooms, everybody wants to run it twice. I mean, or more. They just want to just whatever they can do. Yeah. So there's four all ins, 
but one says they don't they just want to rip it so the all in the other ones say well if he doesn't if he wants to rip it if he doesn't win because he's in for all of it we want to run it twice everybody agrees nobody says anything the uh so i mean seems fair they run it he does not win then one of the players who didn't said nothing he's like no i said i wanted to rip it he hit a straight on the top on the top and i mean i was like well of course i'm interjecting myself because as you say no i can't help myself i'm like nobody hurt nobody heard anything and then all of a sudden you hit a straight and you're ripping it one time. You, you wanted to rip it one time. Because guaranteed, if this guy doesn't hit a straight on the first one, he's definitely in it for that second second one. Oh, well, I mean, this one I don't mind you interjecting in that much. I mean, I don't know how you interjected, but I think if people ask, like, did you hear him say rip it and you saying no, I think that's fine. Yeah, well, I mean, no, I was like, I was like, we just had a two-minute convert. I mean, because you know, these do you run it, run it, want to run it once or twice? Well, half the reason you only run it once is because you just get annoyed by the conversation. Oh, 100%. percent. So, I mean, literally, everyone's like, I don't care. You pick, you pick, but I do want to run it twice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you, you say pick, once, you pick, you pick. And the minute someone says once, he's like, well, how about twice? He's like, let's talk. He's like, <laughs> yeah. He's like, hold on, hold on. So it's never like a fucking like four-second conversation. It's a two-minute thing in which this dude says nothing about, like, you know, wanting to run, ripping it or anything. And I'm like, if that is something that you feel passionate about, you're going to make yourself heard. Oh, 100%. And this isn't something I'm, I mean, like, whenever I say you can't resist getting involved in things, that's like whenever a fish at the table says something dumb and you try to correct them, whenever it has no impact on the game. But, like... This, I think, has a big impact, and I definitely think you should be involved in if uh, this yeah. is what's happening. It's uh, But, I mean, he, he conceded. And then the guy to my, ta- my right. right was, like, saying, oh, well, he's a nice guy or whatever. He's like, he conceded when he obviously was. I'm like, he conceded because he of the pressure from the table, and, like, the floor was definitely going to get called. I'm like, when you... When everybody's like, we want to run it twice, and he and he says it says perfect. I mean, he, I don't know if he said twice, but I know he. Whenever they were saying it, he definitely never mentioned that just rip it or oh, anything. Like you said, if you're ripping it, you 100 percent are being heard. Yeah. So I'm like, when you hit your straight, and all of a sudden you're just arguing that you're gonna rip it. Definitely, I was like, well, yeah, he could have argued more, but you definitely don't get credit because you we're definitely trying to angle. I mean, you don't you don't get nice guy credit. You mean you definitely yeah. don't get considered that you were a super awesome dude <laughs> in this situation. <laughs> so yeah, it was a, uh, which is just weird. It's just I don't know. Like, if the money means that damn much to you, don't play poker. I mean, it, if you're gonna try to angle these little spots. Poker is super goddamn easy to beat in Texas. Just read a fucking book and beat it that way. You really don't need to. You're. It's not even that much of an advantage for you to do stuff like this. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, like I said, happy to see that they ran it twice. So. Oh yeah, I, I agreed. It was, and I will say, like in both our area, in both deals, uh, I thought the dealer handled it pretty well. So I have to give credit to the uh, dealer on the floor. So here's something interesting that um, I kind of saw that I haven't seen in a long time. 
Because I guess I've been. I guess he's probably more of a one-one, one-two kind of player. Okay. But so you know how everyone always says you know playing with you know new players fish or whatever is a great profitable thing. Correct. Um. But man, I stumbled upon the type of fish that I mean, <laughs> definitely not profitable. Let me first explain to you the situation, and then okay. So it's a player who's playing literally no hands, right? Okay. Like, I mean, he probably played like three hands, and then it would be like he'd be on the button. I made it um, eight dollars or something like that, something super small, like eleven. Okay. Gets one call. No, yeah. So I'm one call, and then he makes it two hundred and fifty. <laughs> and then you know we both just snap forward like ah, oh, and then turns over aces. It's like no action. I'm like oh, okay. <laughs> and then um, and then the next hand, I make it. Um, no, it's a straddle. And I call five. The other guy calls five, and he rips in again two fifty. So there's fifteen dollars in the pot. He rips two fifty in, and then uh, everyone folds. He's like ah, oh, and turns over queens. Or whatever, and I'm like, hmm. he's like, no, I can't believe I'm getting no action. He's like, no one ever wants to call. And he's like, and I'm like, wow. I mean, okay. I mean. And then, <laughs> so then, and then he's like, uh, and he's like, well, when I'm ahead, I know I'm ahead. I don't even want to play these hands. I just want to win. And I'm like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, my mouth is just agape. I'm just like, I mean. I better be winning tonight. That's all I got to say. <laughs> I mean, but it's like this fish is like not good for the game at all. And really just kind of taking a seat and doing nothing. <laughs> like when every hand, whenever you get a good hand, you just rip it all in for, I mean, I can't even do the math how much times it is my bet, but infinite. I mean, agree. Not good for the game at all. And then I just like how much patience you have to even be able to do this because you're only going to get so many premium hands. And then if you're only playing hands where you're literally ripping it for shit, 400 big, bl- I mean, just shitloads of big blinds at this point and you're never getting action. I mean, I don't know. Go, go watch TV. I, I don't even understand like what, I mean, it's, it can't be fun. It's definitely not profitable. I don't, I wonder what this, cause I mean, Okay, even fish who are shitty at the game and like they're playing every hand, I get it. They're they're there to have a good time. I mean, a knit who's a regular knit, I mean, doesn't look all that fun, but they're probably grinding some kind of profit. I mean, I mean especially in Texas, where if you're a knit, you're you're definitely probably a, you can easily be a winning player. I mean, yeah, look in the mirror. That's you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why this guy has to be hypothetical. His yeah. name can be Clint. He can be having a second job next week. Trust me, not fun. <laughs> it's not fun. Actually, the second job might be more fun. Uh, Actually, maybe <laughs> it's a uh, so yeah. It, I mean, but a player like this. Who is playing the nittiest in the world, then getting no, then deliberately going to get no action when he actually has a hand, and is only going to have a hand, goddamn one out of shit a hundred times it seems like. I mean, I only saw him play three hands. Did he jam and he jammed all of them. Yeah, I mean, or just ridiculous bets. I mean, just like we're playing shorthanded, so like it folded to me, and I played. It was like five seven suited versus um, like I was like hijack or something, so I just made it like a small bet. 
Because right. we were playing, we we had some pretty short stacks at the table too. So I was like, and then just two hundred dollars. I was like, wow. Okay. I mean, dude, what what could your purpose be to be at the poker table and be playing this way? Is just beyond me. But I was like, well, I haven't seen something like this in a long time. <laughs> but I don't know. I just thought that was pretty interesting. How it's like everyone talks about playing with the fish is the best thing ever, and I was like, I mean, this is just a good way to see a next hand. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, it's a. Yeah, it's basically, well, I mean, it's basically like the nitty, super nitty fish. And I mean, even anybody who's super nitty is not going to be great for the game, even if they're that stupid, like, just crazy fish. Um, What do you call a player like that with? Like, if you know he's just jamming it with, like, pocket pairs, I mean, are you calling with ace-king, aces, kings, queens? Is jacks a call? For an all-in preflop, I don't know. Definitely not. Definitely not for that many blinds on like. So a what play. Are, that's I what mean, it, if this player has not shown, like, I mean, it'd be one thing if somebody's doing this obviously for a crazy amount of blinds, and you you've seen them do it with like. Because I mean, we've all made these calls where it was just someone who was just doing this re, with retarded hands uh, for this many blinds. But for this many blinds, I mean. Obviously aces, obviously kings, and like maybe ace king and queens, but I don't think jacks is ever a call here because I mean it's just for the amount of blinds that are there and like what he's showing in his hand, it's definitely not a call. I mean, queens and ace king would be on the edge, I think, for this many. That blinds. was kind of my thought. Is like I mean, especially when I'm only invested a single dollar in this hand. <laughs> I mean, in all honesty, I think ace king and queens until. Until he flips over and shows like something like tens or nines or something or ace queen, I mean I think those probably should be folds because if his range is that small, then I mean I don't know that that's profitable to call there. I mean, definitely doesn't seem it. I was just I was literally pondering that at the table because like I was playing super tight. I guess I did just talk about playing five six or whatever five seven, but before that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, let's ignore the facts of what I was playing and say I was playing tight. Yeah, but I just, I don't know, I was kind of pondering that, like, what do you even call this guy with? But, yeah, I was like, I, I, I was thinking, like, queens would be a call for, I don't know. But I just it was very interesting. I hadn't played with a player type like that in a long time, so. Yeah, it's a... And I guess we still have your tournament to talk about to close it out. If Well, let's... I wanted to talk about because I have a I had a similar situation at my table where I think the blinds were only he jammed for like thirty five I think the blinds must have been like fifteen hundred and I am in the big blind the player to my left opened jams for like thirty three thousand oh it's fifteen hundred not fifteen thousand yeah. Okay. Oh God. Yeah, not even three thousand. So he opened jams for that. It comes all the way around to me, and I have Ace King. I mean, <laughs> I'm just calling and just calling it good. <laughs> I I almost fold, but I'm like, well, I gotta have some type of calling range here. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, mean <laughs> at least super low stakes tournaments. I feel like. I mean, are you scared, money? I don't know. I mean, like even if. Like, I mean, you block well, okay, aces and, and, and kings. And let me also say, like, it's 
like 30 something thousand and I'm have a pretty decent stack of like around 80 or not like 80 or so but 30 is a pretty big chunk of it I mean compared to the blind it's a huge chunk of anything yeah I mean so, it's a giant amount uh and I mean I'm like well because I mean here's the here's the thing is and this is why I paused to call this is like I mean is he he's never really doing this with ace queen ace jack so I mean I feel like at the very least this is a coin flip so yeah, you're probably right. So when I when it comes around to me, I'm and it's definitely not a squeeze play because he's open. Yeah, yeah. I mean he's open jamming, but I definitely don't think it's aces or kings. I feel like you're gonna want some value there. I mean you would think. Yeah. So I mean, I end up just saying, screw it, and like I'm like I just take the coin flip because I'm like. I can't imagine. I mean, folding ace king seems to be like the nittiest thing here. <laughs> I mean, you just get that second job. You get to work. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I gotta have some type of calling range. I mean, there is his big blind Annie is dead. Oh, uh, there's my my old big blind Annie is dead money in there. So it's a uh, so yeah. We kind of I just flip over and call, and then he has pocket kings, and I'm like, well, I don't know. I mean. <laughs> Good hand, I guess, is all I got to say. I wonder if it was the same guy from when I played yesterday. Huh? I wonder if it was the same guy from when I played yesterday. I don't. I, I have no idea. I've, it was <laughs> no, kind I of a, no, but I'm just saying it's like exactly the same kind of situation. Just random open jamming giants amount. That's true. I mean, I tell you what, it worked in my case. <laughs> I mean, well, it's like we did this podcast one day earlier. Yeah. Uh. I mean, and here's something. And I wish it would have happened in a cash game. Because why? <laughs> no, no, no. This is a different oh, scenario. I'm, 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 I'm moving on. I was about to it's say, a... <laughs> getting stacked would have loved if it was for <laughs> way more. Just tons of money. That's what I. If I'm gonna get stacked, make it for all of it. Yeah, I don't like these little <laughs> I was amounts. Like, I was like, why is that ever your response? Cliff loses in a low stakes tournament. If only this was cash. Walks off. <laughs> No, but this is something you do, and like, you do it in cash games, and you've gotten a lot of like run from it. But I, uh, whichever call it, the uh, so I have ace nine suited. I raise one player calls. The flop I completely miss. I kind of do like a small bet, like I tend to do on this. It's fairly dry board or whatever. He calls. Turn is a blank, goes check, check. River's a king, he checks again. Well, I have like a pot-sized bet left. And, I mean, he's just shown weakness twice. And, I, and so I, I make a jam, just representing the king. And he kind of tanks a while and then ends up folding. And some guy's like, you got lucky? And I'm like, so I just turned, I mean, I, I mean, if he was saying I got lucky, I just turned over my hand like, I got lucky he folded. Yeah. So... I mean, this guy, I mean, he didn't, like, make a huge reaction or whatever, but every other hand against me loses his goddamn mind. I mean, I stacked this guy over and I mean, over and over again. And, I mean, granted, I was hitting good hands against him, but, I mean, he just, like, after that bluff, I mean, did not want to believe, like, I had anything, like, even remotely good. Because I flopped a set against him. I, I think I got two pair at one point. And but at that point he just like he saw that one bluff and just loses his mind and I know this happens to you and Cash a lot. 
but well, I will mainly do it. But like the problem, whenever you do it in a game with like it, it it's kind of player dependent as well. Like you kind of either need that player who you're targeting to see it or be in the hand with the player, right? Like you need sometimes like either the fish who you think is going to react to it like that or like a thinking player who now knows you're capable of bluffing to get value from someone who plays a lot tighter, right? Because yeah. if you're showing bluffs, now they have to call lighter, right? So then you can exploitatively bet bigger with nutted hands too. And they have to call if they know you're capable. If you are literally never bluffing, they'll never call, you know, these bigger bets. So you kind of have to play that mental game. Uh, when I'm playing like one, two, I normally don't show bluffs. Um, I just don't. I don't know if the upside is there, but after this story, I might start again. I mean, I've stopped because, well, okay, one is like, you're right. Like, so you stopped. I didn't know you started, but. <laughs> well, I did it for a while after because I was kind of inspired when it was working for you. And I do see some purpose. The problem is, is it f- flips your image. And like you say, if you're getting knitted hands, it's great because, I mean, you're getting. The problem is it's. I remember, like, when you were on this gigantic upswing, you're like, well, when you get nutted hands, then they have to call. I'm like, Tyler, I haven't gotten top pair in four sessions. What do you mean get nutted hands they have to call? I mean. <laughs> well, but here's also the other thing to kind of jump subjects on you real quick. But um, last night when I was winning, I had a lot of bluffs, but I also needed those folds kind of thing. Like, I kind of relied on my image of having nutted hands. You know, turning over, like, I kind of showed nutted hands and then use it in reverse to get them to fold. See, that almost makes me, like, makes more sense to me. Because, well, I mean, it's easier to find a bluff spot than a nutted hand. Because, I mean, a nutted hand is always gonna, only going to come around so often. Uh, of course, like, the bluff spots, I mean, you can't just bluff at everything, so the bluff spots are kind of rare, too. But... Like, that's the thing is, like, if I show a bluff, well, then that bluff, now at that point, if it gets that river, he shows weakness. Well, if I've shown that bluff. It kind of handcuffs you. I know. Yeah, that's kind of, that was kind of my thinking on it. But this is one time where it did work very well. So, I mean, that's what, and here's the thing is, if I don't show my hand and leave them wondering, it kind of does the same thing. Because a lot of people will talk themselves into, like, well, I should have called. Or, I mean, if you have the nuts and you and you don't know it, they're like, well, it could be a bluff. So, you know, they're just not knowing and all that. And it kind of it kind of tilts them regardless, but without having complete information. I don't know. I feel like all these, I think just a ton of people always say that they're bluffing and are never bluffing. Like at the one, two games and stuff. I feel like they all, I mean. Oh, a hundred. Oh, like, oh, yeah. You're completely like, right. I feel like every time someone's like, "Did you have like I bluff?" They always say that. I've never believed it unless I see two cards face up. But I mean, <laughs> I'm talking about you, if you muck your cards and don't say anything. Oh no, no, it'll I get leave that. them like you know, kind of spinning for a little bit. I'm just jumping topics all around on you on the end of the podcast. <laughs> I mean, I just I just got a lot on my mind. Yeah, I just got a lot. <laughs> to say, I, yeah, because I have that situation come up too a lot. Whenever you're playing like the lower stakes tournaments or one two one one or whatever, yeah, like every time someone's like, "Did you have to, I bluff?" I'm like, "You didn't bluff. You can't even bet nutted hands, let alone bluffs." So, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, and that's like the thing about overfolding in small stakes is like we, uh, I mean, a lot of people have, don't have bluffs in their range. But let me, I want to get to one hand because it was kind of uh, 
what uh, <laughs> I mean, it was it's kind of like the hand of the tournament. week <laughs> so well in the tournament it was one of those that i just built up a fairly big stack and then as blinds went up kind of just kind of got dwindled down got all in uh had to end up making a move a jack 10 all in versus king four he flopped king four four wait no he flopped two fours uh, and we were all in pre-flop. Didn't get it in ace-king versus king-10. He flops a 10. And then I'm done. Uh, but the hand, kind of the hand of the week. I was about to say, that can't be our hand of the week. Yeah. The, the hand <laughs> of the week is, uh, so there's a raise from a fairly aggressive player. What do you have? What's I have happening? pocket sixes. Where are you at? What's going on? Yeah, I have pocket sixes. So. Uh, cash game, sorry. It's a one, we're playing one, no, this is actually one, two cash. Uh, it makes it 15 over some limpers. I call, there's several other callers with pocket sixes. Uh, it flops 10 king, seven, all spades. I have no spades. I have, well, actually, I think I have the six of spades, actually. Uh, I'm pretty much done with the hand at this point. Uh, but it does check around. Turn is a six. So we're back on board. We're back. We're 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 treading lightly, but we're we're back on board a little bit. So now there's a bet. There's a call, and then another call. This bet was pretty big. This bet was over pot too. I think the pot was like sixty five. He bet like he bet eighty. But I mean, now that. There's been weakness shown on the flop. A lot of flushes are gonna are not gonna check that flop. I feel like a set of sixes. I gotta. I mean, this is. I definitely have to call here, even a big bet. I definitely feel like this is uh, what's it called? Um, a lot of times, like one big spade. It feels like like the ace of spades or whatever. I kind of took it as like a king that was like now that was scared of the flush and now like. After everybody checks around, it's now feeling more confident. Yeah, either way. I mean, just a big spade. Is, I mean, yeah, kind of... or a big spade or anything like that. Uh, I called the other player calls as well. So we're now like a pretty big pot here. And I'm like, I'm like, pair the board. I'm like, because if this guy, because now I'm thinking he could have a flush. Or that other guy who flats behind is super strong. That guy could have a flush too. Yeah, so I mean, it's definitely a possibility. Kind of, I mean, definitely a dicey situation for you, kind of right now. You're really gonna need to hit something. So I'm like, pair the board, and then I mean, I'm gonna get just all the money at this point. I think the river's a six, giving me quads. I mean, if you could pick one card in the deck, that would be the card. <laughs> so it's a check. Then the player bets twenty five, which I'm like, well, this isn't great. I mean, it was great that he leads out, but. I mean, it's super small bet into a pot of now what's probably like two fifty. Uh, but he's pretty aggressive. I make it a hundred. Okay, I was going between like a hundred, hundred twenty-five, but okay. Yeah, I was like, well, I can, you know, it kind of looks. It's I thought I kind of like the size because it's like if you go like seventy-five, it just looks like so valuey. A hundred feels like you could be kind of trying to buy the yeah, pot a little bit. Yeah, I like a hundred way more than seventy-five. Uh, so it goes around that the the uh, player folds the the original preflop razor waits, and I'm like, come on, give me a call, give me a call, come on, 
He makes it 200. Are you just shipping it here? I don't know how deep you are, but... Oh, I mean, I have, like... I mean, I think I did have him cover, uh, covered. I think it was going to be, like... It's, like... He's got, like, maybe 225 behind or so. So, I mean, I'm, like... So, I kind of wait and pause. Cause I definitely don't snap, because... I'm, like, how can I make this not look just the... Like, I mean, the most nutted thing ever. Like, my range is actually, like, quad sixes here at this point. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. I mean, anything that's re-raising you here, remember that threshold thing you just talked about earlier in the podcast? I feel like it's past that threshold and is never folding. And I feel like you can easily just ship it all in here and getting snap called. Oh, I mean, anytime, definitely jamming. I'm just trying to take my time a little bit so I don't look like I've got quad sixes. Don't even think it matters. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, You were 100% right. Oh, well, that's good to know. Well, I was, I mean, because here's my, I mean, you're playing one, two, anytime. I mean, how often do you see a river three bet? Oh, a hundred percent. But I mean, here's the problem is a four bet. It's, it's like the nuts. I mean, like there is, there is no, <laughs> there's no four bet bluff for an extra $200. Oh, hundred percent. But I'm just, <laughs> yeah, I also no, don't your think threshold thing is completely right. I also don't think there's ever a fold for another $200. 100%. You are absolutely right on that. Uh, so I finally, I'm just like, I don't know what to do. I like, I'm like, okay, I, 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 uh, I go all in. I'm like, if you and tell him if you got me, you got me. <laughs> what a dork. <laughs> I mean, yeah, 100%. You're, I mean, you're not wrong, but I mean, I'm looking for anything, man. I'm looking for anything. He snap calls, obviously. Yeah. And I'm like, and I think of flush. He had pocket kings in River top full house. So really, you want to talk about the luckiest thing ever is getting that six? Because if the board pairs, I mean, I think he's got a flush. I definitely did not think he had would have a bigger boat. So I got super lucky on this river. <laughs> oh, I mean, 100%. I mean, anytime you hit a one out, I mean, definitely super lucky. <laughs> yeah, no shit. It's, uh, so, that was, uh, so that ended up uh, being a $615 win for me. Uh, went to Paramount. <laughs> yesterday and lost 515 <laughs> did the tournament today and lost another 110 all right so that second job yeah so <laughs> uh, that second job it's a nope too, can't do it too good at poker <laughs> yeah well i guess on that note this concludes texas poker podcast talk to you next week that was the texas poker podcast go ahead and rack up add time and we'll see you next week